John chapter 1. The book of John brings in the multifaceted glory of Jesus Christ into sharp focus. We'll begin a series. I can't tell you exactly the length and that sort of thing with it, but uh, I've been looking and studying on how Christ is revealed in each of the 21 chapters of John. Some of the chapters He's revealed in more than one way, but there are some specific ways. And um, the series I'm calling More About Jesus. More About Jesus. And um, God willing, Sunday morning we'll be finishing out on the churches in Revelation and uh, coming down and dealing with Laodicea. So do not plan on falling asleep during Sunday morning. Because if I'm preaching about Laodicea and you fall asleep, I might just come get you. Promise. More than one way to fix that thing. But talking tonight more about Jesus, and I'm going to talk to you about God with us. The passage we're going to read here in a moment, which we will not be reading the entire chapter, but the passage we'll be reading gives us in detail what is succinctly stated in Matthew 1, verse 23. And there, this is written. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And what that was showing in Matthew was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 about Christ coming and His name, uh, Emmanuel, that is given to Him is, uh, means God with us. And so because of that tonight, I want to talk to you about God with us. Jesus, God with us. That first thing He reveals in the book of John is that Jesus is not just a teacher, although He was a consummate teacher, not just a preacher, he's the preacher of preachers. Not just a prophet, although he's a prophet beyond all the others. Not just a king, even though he's the king of kings, but he's actually God in the flesh. And uh, so I'll show you some of those things tonight. Will you pray together with me? And let's pray. While I pray, will you pray? We ask God to help you to get the word tonight, get what he has for you. I've prepared. This is for you. I hope you'll prepare now and ask God to help you to, to get what you need. Father, we do need to hear from heaven. Lord, I pray that you'll bless. And Lord, uh, may we have an appetite for your word and uh, that desire may it be in yielding to you at this time, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's look in John chapter 1 and we're going to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. I want you to pay special attention as we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, 
To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after Me is preferred before Me, for He was before Me. And of His fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. In a moment, we're going to consider some of these things with it. And uh, in order to understand parts of this about God with us, uh, to understand verses 1 and 2, we're going to be understanding Genesis one twenty six as well. Look in ver- uh, verses 1 and 2 of John. Look what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He said, okay, I'm trying to, trying to understand that. And I'm not even saying here to comprehend the depth of it, but just to understand that. What is that phrasing? What does that mean? You could also think of Genesis 1.26. You may know this passage once you hear it. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. And God said, Let us make man in our image. And after our likeness. I'm going to right now familiarize you, if you allow me to, with a, a very important term in the Bible to help you understand and help us understand biblically what this is talking about. And it will help us understand the fact that God actually came to the earth in the form of a man. It's absolutely mind-blowing to me that God would take on that form or that fashion. That's the kind of language the Bible uses about it. The term, the word, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little term there. It's, it's one word, but it's kind of a term. And that is this. Uh, it's the term Godhead. You might want to mark that. We'll be looking at some verses with it. Godhead. It's like those two words together. It's, it's not hyphenate, it's Godhead. And we need to understand that. You may have noticed that there was a singular going to a plural in, in Genesis. And God said, let us make man in our image. He said, more than one God? No, not at all. Here's what was happening. It was the Godhead. I'll show you these things about it. The word Godhead shows up in Acts 17, verse 29, when Paul's preaching to the Athenians. It shows up again in Romans chapter 1, and verse 20. And then it shows up the third time. It shows up three times. In Colossians chapter 1 or chapter 2, verse 9. Let's look at each of them. Look in Acts chapter 17. Keep your place there in John, but look in Acts 17. Now we're going, we're looking at God with us. We're finding out how the book of John reveals Jesus Christ to us. And we're looking now at the Godhead. What's that about? How is the Word with God and the Word was God? And then later in verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How's that all tie in? I'll be showing you this. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, Paul's preaching. Verse 
Look in verse 29. I just want to go to one verse here with this. He is refuting these Athenian philosophers. I talked about them on Sunday. He's refuting their beliefs, their idols. They had all these idols set up throughout the city of Athens, Greece. And they'd worship all these different things. And of course, he spoke to them about the unknown God. They had an altar there. He said the unknown God. And then he makes a statement about God. He said, For as much then, verse 29, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, in other words, we are His creation, He's made us, we ought not to think that the Godhead, only three times that's used, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. He said, since we are the creation of God, we shouldn't think that God is an idol made out of non-living things. So that's the first time Godhead shows up. It shows up in that preaching in the context of the Creator God. In that context, as Paul is preaching to very learned philosophers, he starts with them with the creation and the fact that God's Creator because it's the first thing someone has to come to terms with. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. I understand that. And understand He's the Creator, originator of all things. And so the context here is God the Creator. May I suggest to you that shows God is the Father. Remember, we're talking about the Godhead. That shows God the Father. Here He is, the Creator God. Second time, I told you, is Romans chapter 1. Let's look at that one together. Remember, we are we're learning about Christ and more about Jesus here in John, book of John. We're particularly finding out about God with us, like it said in Matthew, Emmanuel, God with us. And we're finding out about the Word being God and the Word being with God and what's all that talking about. Romans chapter 1. And forgive me, I'm not trying to talk down to you um, as I'm repeating things. I'm, I'm starting the message with a little bit of a complex thought. Your thoughts have not been on this message all day. Your thoughts have not been writing and thinking that. You've been taking care of whatever you've been doing and such. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is through a little bit of repetition, bring all our minds to a focus on the Word of God. And I'm trying to make best use of your time. You've taken time to come to church tonight. You've taken time to be here in the midweek. And I want to honor that by helping you get the most you can out of what you can while you're here. And so that's why I'm doing that. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk down to you in any way with that. The only way in which I talk down to you is I'm standing up here and you're down there. Other than that, not at all. Uh, Romans chapter 1 we're looking, what's the word we're looking for? We're getting our standing on. Shows up three times. Shows up how many times? Interesting. Romans chapter 1. I just when, when I saw this in the Scripture, it's, it's had me excited. I'm like, well, I never saw that before. But there it is. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and... What's the word? Godhead. So that they are without excuse. And what it's talking about here is man's, man will not have an excuse when he stands before God. And it goes through the fact God's left Himself witness in so many different ways. But here it talks about this. And when we're looking at Godhead here in this verse, and also in this passage leading up to the verse, it deals with invisible things. 
It deals with giving understanding to creation. It deals with power. And it deals with the removal of excuses before God. I believe, if you'll allow me, that that so matches the operation ministry of the Holy Spirit as to be exactly on. You can look, it's just exactly on with it. What we understand with it. So we have twice. One is the context of creation. Godhead. Second one is the context of these things mentioned. Godhead. Then let's look at the last one in Colossians chapter 2. Go on further towards Revelation there. Colossians chapter 2. And here I'm going to show you two verses. Starts out with a warning, a beware sign. When God puts up a beware sign, you need to beware. It says, Beware, verse 8, Colossians 2. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Isn't that amazing? Because this first time he mentions Godhead, he's speaking to philosophers. Lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the what? How? Bodily. And so there you have Christ. God with us. As Philippians explains, taking on the form, the fashion of a man. And so in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Down to verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, what is this? God, uh, God with us, John starts out. The Gospel that John was allowed to pin down this account of the Gospel, it starts out telling us about the fact that God came to this earth in the form of a man. That He came among us. We couldn't get to Him. He came to us. Let's look on down at the verses there. I'm back in John. Hopefully you didn't lose your place there. So the first thing we see is this, this understanding of the Godhead and understanding that it was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And uh, so he, he teaches us these things. Look in verse 6. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was what? John. The same, John, I like that. It's a, it's a legal term doing it that way. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Here's the second thing about it, revealing uh, Christ with us. When God appeared in bodily form as Jesus, there was a man who was sent to help people believe. That man's name was John. We know him as John the Baptist because he baptized people in the wilderness and baptized them in the uh, Jordan River in, in Judea. And uh, his baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was not this, it, the mode was the same, by mode meaning the way you do it. They went under the water and back up, just like we would do that here. The reason behind it was different. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance saying you are repenting of your own righteousness and your own religious thinking and you will receive Christ when He's revealed. That's what the people were saying. We will do things God's way. When someone is baptized now, 
That baptism, which is also taught throughout the Scripture, is the same mode. You go under the water and back up. But it is a testimony to the fact that you've received Christ and that you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you're not ashamed to be identified with Him. That's what that's about. They were both in water, both underneath. And so what happened was, God sent John to prepare the people. In fact, you can read about it back in Isaiah chapter 40 where it's outlined clearly what his ministry was going to be. It says that he would take the high places and make them low, take the low places and make them high, that he would make a highway for the king. Cameo real. El Cameo. It's the king's highway. In other words, it was not uncommon when a, a king or a potentate in the older days would travel that there would people would go ahead to make sure how they were traveling it wouldn't be rough. And John's ministry... We could learn a lot from it, and hopefully we'll learn to do like he did. His ministry was to make the way plain for Christ so people would not have obstacles in their way to understand and believe on Christ. And that's what he did with that. Um, it's interesting, this man who was sent, there's a real distinction going on. There's a difference between the lights. Notice in verse 7, the same, John, came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Now you have to understand something. When John came... There had not been an outspoken prophet who was giving forth the Word of God and that sort of thing for 400 years. There was this time, this period, this gap of that. When John came, all the people left the cities and such and came out to him. He didn't go into the cities with the ministry. He was in the wilderness and the people came out to him. God was doing an amazing work that Israel had not seen for generations. And everybody was talking about John. In fact, you, as we're reading through the book of Acts, as we're going through the book of Acts, you find people who they were only baptized to the baptism of John. John's ministry outreach expanded all over even though he never traveled. He was right there in Judea. And so he had a lot of attention. People were coming to John. People were listening to John. In fact, early on when, when someone had to kill John, uh, they wouldn't do it because they said all men counted him as a prophet. It wasn't because they believed him. It wasn't because that they had a good conscience and didn't want to hurt somebody. They just said, uh, this won't work too well for us. This is going to go bad for us if we hurt him. And so they didn't do it for a while. Well, with John, with that outreach, the Bible makes a distinction in verse 7. He says, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. The light. That all men through him might believe. Believe in what? He was not that light became, uh, it was sent to bear witness of that light. And so John's ministry, like all of our ministry, is to be one of exalting Christ instead of self. The Bible says, regarding preaching of the Word, it says we preach not ourselves, but we preach ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Look at John chapter 5. Let me show you. It's put out very clearly in John chapter 5. I can read my hieroglyphics here, which I can. Look in verse 33. John 5 verse 33. Here Jesus is speaking. It says, Ye sent unto John. That's talking about John the Baptist. And he bare witness unto the truth. 
But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. Then referring to John, look what he says. He was a burning and a shining light. He was very bright. He was a burning light. He was a shining light. But look at the rest of the verse and notice the word that's used. He says, Jesus says to the people there, and you were willing, what's the next three words? For a season to rejoice in His light. Now, two things with that. One is their infatuation and love for John didn't last long term. Second of all, John was only a burning and shining light for a season. And then his ministry was fulfilled. He had a specific ministry and it was completed. It was done. Jesus is the light. The light that Christ is is never quenched. And so what do we find out? We find out about God with us. We find that God with us is a light that will never be put out at all. No matter what comes and what developments happen, that's the case of it. I'm back in the, uh, John chapter 1 again. Let's look at this. So we see that in the Word, beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. We see that that has to do with the Godhead. We see that Jesus is the light that endures and John was the light that was sent, the one to bear witness of Him. We learned some things about that. Then look in verse 10. Speaking of Jesus, He was in the world. Now this builds back on what you've learned. He was in the world. Jesus was. And the world was made by Him. And the world, what? Knew Him not. They didn't even know who He was when He got here. He came unto His own. What was the response? His own received Him not. God in the flesh, Jesus, was unknown to His own people when He came. Look in Isaiah chapter 1. Don't lose your place there in John, but look back in Isaiah chapter 1. Rachel, we're using our Bible a lot tonight. I know, isn't that a blessing? It is. Always want a lot of Bible. Isaiah chapter 1. That doesn't mean that everybody who preaches has to turn into 15 different references. Thank God for the Bible. Isaiah chapter 1. I want you to think about this. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. Isaiah chapter 1. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. Okay, what did God say? By the way, the country's getting ready to go into judgment. Cities laid waste and all that. What did God say? I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. 
a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. And he said in verse 3, he said, the ox knows his master. And the ass, the donkey, if you will, he said he, he knows his, his master's crib. He said, but Israel does not know, my people does not consider. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They totally missed who he was. He said, well, shame on those short-sighted people. I think it's better if we take a little warning on that. Then looking back, as if somehow we're better human beings than they were. And so, it's vital to understand when he came that his people didn't know him. Many years ago, I preached a message here entitled, Are You Smarter Than an Ox? No, I didn't give out a test to see. But it was from the text that I just read and my biblical uh, proposition from it was if we don't know our God and don't follow our Creator, then we're not as smart as an ox is. We become as brute beasts. And so what happens is, Paul, as I mentioned earlier, comes along preaching to people who are supposed to be some of the more intelligent people of his time and he has to take up his message to preach to them about the unknown God. The unknown God. Why? Because the creation had forgotten the Creator. Let's look back in John again. What I'm talking to you about tonight, I'm talking to you about this thing of Jesus being revealed. More about Jesus. What, what Lighthouse Baptist Church needs is more about Jesus. And John, each chapter reveals something about Him. It's a wonderful thing in it. Several somethings in some of the chapters. Probably more than I've discovered. Then look in verse 12. Look what happens. We'll begin again in verse 11. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But, don't you love it when God butts in? Amen. But, as many as received him. Hold on now, that doesn't sound like a predetermined number. Amen. That'll play hob with your Calvinism. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's a power to become and the nature of the birth. The power to become what? To become the sons of God. I love that. I love that. Logan and Bethany, when Logan actually ended up uh, fully legally adopting, uh, what's the kid's name? Roman. Roman, thank you. My grandkids, I do that. I knew, I knew, he, was, I knew he wasn't Marlia. I had that. That's all right. He said, you are a forgetful pappy. Yeah, probably. Um, but when, uh, when Logan adopted that kid, <laughs> Roman, you know, one of the things Roman was, was what he was concerned about. And I mean, it, it took a long time and I've not gone into detail. I shouldn't. I've only ever went to the detail that uh, Logan and Bethany both said they felt comfortable with because there were some things in that process which I think help God's people to appreciate the fact that we're adopted by our Heavenly Father. But one of the things Roman wasn't thinking about the details and all this and all that. 
One of the major things in his his uh, mind was he wanted the name Manning on his football jersey. <laughs> the school wouldn't put on there until he was legally Manning, and so he wanted to, he wanted to be identified. Now, I think it's because he wanted to be identified with his dad and with with our our family, but maybe it's just if you're playing football, Manning's a cool last name to have, you know what I mean? But he wanted that on there. He gave us power to become the sons of God. Thank God that he gave us a new name. Thank God that he gave us a name that's identified with himself. Even the name which they first became known of in Antioch as Christians that it was a name that they said these people are like Christ was. This is it. Their behavior, their life shows the influence of Jesus Christ in their life. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. The Bible says he writes their name. He identifies with them. He writes it in their foreheads. He identifies them as his people. Here we are. We belong to God. I love that. And so what is it? That's the power. And then what's the nature of the birth? Look what it says in verse 13. It says, which were born not of blood, You don't inherit it. You know, when the warnings in the Bible, in the book of Timothy, to avoid endless genealogies, the Jewish people were very good at trying to prove their righteousness through their pedigree. (laughs) They said, well, here's our lineage. In fact, when Paul was catching them by guile and said uh, that he was speaking foolishly to catch them in something. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israel? He said, I'm more so. He said, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews men went back both sides of his family. There was nothing else there. He said, pure lineage. We can track it all the way back. Then he comes down to the conclusion that the, the Scripture and the Spirit of God had taught him And he said, all these things that were gained to me, he says, I counted but lost that I may win Christ. He said, my pedigree, I'm not born of blood unto God. And then he goes stronger and he says, I count them but done. He says, they're they're nothing more than refuse and animal manure to me. He says, why? Because they count nothing towards being accepted of God. He said, I have to be born of God. So we're not born of blood. I don't know how many people... How many, many, many people. Down over the years, as I've given the Gospel to them personally, they let me know they were raised in a Christian family. That they have a Christian heritage. That they were raised in church. That they've been going to church all their life. That they were baptized when they were little, as their church called it. That they've had this training or that training. And it's all nothing. It's all nothing. Because it's only Christ that saves and so we're understanding this. The nature of the birth was not of blood. Then in verse 13, nor of the will of the flesh. You can't work your way into it. You don't just decide you're there. Nor the will of man. Someone cannot decide for you that you're there. I could say a few things there, but I feel each of them is probably a tangent I shouldn't take off on. It's not man that puts us in, and man can't take us out. It's God. That's how it ends. But of God, we're born of God. I love that. We're learning about Jesus here and some things about Him. Then, look in verses, uh, verse 14 through 18. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. 
And that matches that, doesn't it? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. Full, at the same time, of grace and truth. We have a hard time hitting the balance of that, don't we? Someone's either too gracious and won't stand, or they've got so much truth that they're getting honorary about it. But Jesus is full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. Once, once it was revealed to John because of the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove and dwell, uh, lighting on Jesus and staying, He began immediately to point people to Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. He pointed everybody to Christ once He knew exactly who He was. He knew He was coming, but once it was revealed to Him who He was, He, 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 he said, I've got I've to decrease. He's got to increase. And so He did that. This was He of whom I spake. He that cometh after Me is preferred before Me, for He was before Me. Why? Because He's God. Now, I want you to understand something. Physical age, if you knew that, do you know who's John's mother? What was her name? Does anybody know John's mother? Elizabeth, right? And Elizabeth gave birth to John six months before Mary gave birth to Christ. So chronologically, as far as counting human age, John was older than Jesus. But... John said very truthfully there, he that cometh after me is preferred before me. And look at the term. There's a certain way this, the wording and, 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 the, uh, uh, and the tense of this is, for he was before me. He was before me. He, he'd been there already. That's why Jesus was able to say to the Jews before Abraham was, I am. They said, now we know that. I said, devil, thou art not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. And used the name that God identified himself with in the burning bush when he said it. And so John comes along and John says, he was preferred before me because he was before me. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's not just a messenger sent from God. He's not like Gabriel. He's not like John the Baptist. He's not like Elijah. He's not like Moses. He's God in human form. He became man without ceasing to be God. You say, preacher, explain all that to me. Are you kidding me? I don't have the explainer. You don't have the comprehender. But I do have the revelation of God telling us this. And I'm glad of it. I believe it. The Word was made flesh. God's glory was revealed in the way that He could be received. Being clothed in flesh was the only way God could dwell among us. Do you realize when Moses had been in the presence of God, his face was shining so brightly, and he didn't know it, that it scared the Israelites to death. And it said they couldn't stand to look at him. His face, he'd been in the presence of God, and his face was shining from it. And Moses had to put a veil over it. There's some teachings about that in the Bible. some amazing truths in it. And when he did that, it says they could not look steadfastly. In fact, uh, we were just reading, if they could not look steadfastly to the glory of that which is abolished. In other words, the law got fulfilled. How much more glory does Christ have? And so what happens here, when, when Moses had to do that, when God came among man, He had to clothe Himself in flesh so that we could see His works 
so that we would have the recording of how he acted, how he lived and what he did, because man cannot look on the full glory of God and survive it. In John 14, verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, when Philip said, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Jesus led him with a question and then an explanation. He said, Have I been so long time with thee, Philip? And hast thou not known me? Or don't you know who I am yet? Thou hast seen me, thou hast seen the Father. You say, what does he mean by that? Hebrews chapter 1, please. I hope that Sunday school is a regular part of your Christian growth. It could be and should be. It'll help you. It'll strengthen you. Hebrews chapter 1. And this week, this is a passage that leads us into what we're doing this week in, in Sunday school. So preacher, it seems like all these things, the Sunday school, the preaching, and the different series, have all tied together. Now you're getting the idea. There's a reason for this. Because we want to have... How many of you noticed the sign by my office when you came in? Anybody notice there's a big new sign there? How many of you walked in that door over there, came in that way? How many of you did? How many of you did not see the fact there's a big poster on that wall? You didn't see it at all. Eh? Not at all. You're clueless, aren't you? Bless your hearts. All right. I'll be, uh, check it out. It says, uh, <laughs> Learning, Loving, Living, a biblically founded faith. That's more than just a catchphrase. That's what we're trying to do here. And so check it out. We spend a lot of money for you to ignore it. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We spend money on a pastor and you ignore him too sometimes. Hebrews chapter 1. So we're in good company. I guess that makes me a poster child, huh? Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the what? Plural. Every planet, every planetary system. Who being the brightness of His glory and... Look at the term that's used. The express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And it talks about how He's above the angels and such things. The word was made flesh. God veiled Himself in flesh so that He could reveal to man who He was. And Christ, the God-man, is the express image of the Father. One of the most profound theological songs in our songbook is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We think of it only as a Christmas song. It is profound, written by Charles Wesley. Part of that exactly deals with this doctrine. It says, Late in time, behold Him come offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men with man to dwell, Jesus our. Amen.
Boy, I tell you, he talked about strong Bible truth in the song. That's it. God has chosen to reveal Himself to His people. The book of John is going to teach us many things and learn more about Jesus as we go. Tonight we can be sure that Jesus is God in the flesh. Let me pray with you, all right? Father, thank You for who You are. Thank You for the way You revealed Yourself and do reveal Yourself to us. Thank You for keeping a record of it and a living book. Help us, Lord, to love You because of it, to be bold in our stance, to be firm in our faith, not to be ashamed, but, Lord, to stand and be the kind of witness we ought to be for You in all our actions and all our words. I pray, Lord, tonight to search our hearts. You know who in this room is Yours. And, Lord, if anyone is not Your child, may You reveal that to them. May they come under a certain and sure conviction of the Holy Spirit of God to know that they need You. May they not be satisfied with religion or an experience, but Lord, may they want you. Bless, please, and help us to be conformed to your image as we see you, to draw closer to you, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please.